I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, April 19th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Today we catch up with Kansas State and beat writer Kellis Robinette. So much is going on with the Wildcats that after we talked about topics such as coaches' salaries and new deals for the offense and defensive coordinators, Kansas State continued to make news on other fronts, especially in recruiting. In basketball, they picked up a big commitment from five-star guard David Castillo from Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And in football, the Cats kept their state pipeline flowing with a commitment from Blue Valley High running back John J.B. Price. So it's been quite a busy time for the football and men's hoops programs that are coming off sensational seasons. Okay, let's get started talking Kansas State and college athletics with Kellis Robinette. Ellis, I don't think we've talked since um, the end of the basketball season. Maybe we did right after. I, I can't remember now, but it seems to me that um, I went off to – you came home from New York. I went off to the Final Four and then have done some Royals, and you've just been still waist deep in Kansas State news that the news never stops. So, yeah, I think this is the first time um, that we've spoken since the end of Hoops. A lot of, a lot of things going on, though, at K-State. You've been busy. Let's start with football contracts, uh, football coaching contracts. Some interesting news out of uh, Manhattan with uh, big raises for the coordinators, for Colin Klein and for Joe Klanderman. So um, what do we make of this? I mean, let, let's start with Colin Klein. He was he was a coach that was kind of in demand after the season, wasn't he? He was very much so, and that's been a um, you know a big curiosity point in Manhattan um, ever since he uh, got quite a bit of interest. Um, the big one was Notre Dame reached out to him, said why don't why don't we fly in to South Bend? You can see the place, you can interview for the job and see if you want it. Um, went on the trip, liked it. Um, ultimately decided um, after uh, some K State players you know, pulled up, pulled on his heartstrings and told him he needed to stick around and win some more big show championships with him. And he was promised a raise here. You know what? Okay. I think he'll stay at Kansas state. Keep trying to win a mile mater. Um, and everybody's kind of wondered, all right. So he was making 600,000 Notre Dame probably could have paid him, you know, I don't know, well over a million if they really wanted to. So what in the world was Kansas state paying to keep him? Turns out the answer is uh, $825,000 a year. Which, you know, it's not what Notre Dame could have paid him, but that is by far the most that Kansas State has ever paid any of its coordinators before. I think I think they were already there with Colin Klein making 600000 last season. So it goes to show that uh, they really like what he's doing. They really like the direction of this football team. And for them to step step up and, um, you know, give, give him basically a 40% raise, with uh, the possibility of bonuses, which could push his salary next season over a million dollars, 
um, shows that they're uh, committed committed to winning right now. They they don't want to lose these coaches if they don't have to. Yeah, the Wildcats put up some great numbers on the offensive side this past year with Colin Klein on the call, right? And I don't think they – did they lead the Big 12 in, in scoring in yards? I don't know if they led, but they were certainly up there among the leaders. Yeah, um, a lot of really good advanced statistics liked them. I think they came in at uh, over 410 yards per game, definitely over 30 points a game. And you could really tell that once Will Howard took over as quarterback, him and Colin Klein really clicked with what they were doing because there was a a while there they were pushing almost 50 points a game. And um, I know one talking point uh, when we have spoken to people this uh, this spring during practices was that with Colin Klein back, with Will Howard back, yeah, it might be hard to replace Deuce Vaughn, but with that kind of con- continuity there, um, they're looking at, you know, scoring 50 points in games next season, 60 points even if they can do it. They want to be pedal to the metal right now. Um, so a lot of promise there, a lot of promise on defense. And, you know, overall, I think this is, um, you know, just, just kind of a commitment to the way things are going. Um, the challenge for them moving forward is if uh, you're going to spend an extra million dollars on your assistant coaches, you're also going to have to pay more to Chris Kleiman. You have to play pay more to Jerome Tang now that he's done what he's he just did this past season. Um, so the cost of winning has never been higher in Manhattan. It's it's kind of interesting at the same time that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the conference. Um, this is transpiring. No doubt about it. So I believe I heard a um you know, a lot of chatter, but the but the line that I heard the the loudest was you guaranteeing Kansas State's gonna average 60 points a game next year. That's that's quite a guarantee, Kellis. That's quite the bold statement. It is. It is, especially with the the schedule they got coming up. Um, you know, Texas and Oklahoma are still around, and Kansas State, uh, they, they like scheduling those hard teams in non-conference. Last year it was Tulane. Next season they get Troy, who had, I believe, the number one ranked defense in the country last season in FBS. Um, so when they go out and put 70, 70 on the Trojans, um, people are going to have to take notice. Remind me who they miss on the Big 12 schedule next year, though. The one year of the 14, or at least these 14 teams, with the four newcomers and Texas and Oklahoma for the 2023 football season. Everybody has to miss a few uh, opponents. So who, who remind me who K-State misses next year. Um, well, they don't play Oklahoma, which was a little bit of a bummer. Um for the people around here who've enjoyed watching Kansas yeah. State beat Oklahoma <laughs> so many times over the years. Really um, West Virginia, also not on there. Um, they will play Houston, so that's a new one. They will host uh, Central Florida. That's a new one. Um, and uh, those are those would be the big ones that they're, they're missing and playing. But, uh, you know, you don't get to play Oklahoma. You don't get to play West Virginia. Don't get to play BYU or Cincinnati mm. this cycle. But um, Kansas State, always nostalgic, does have Missouri – an old big eight team on the schedule. Yes, that's right. That's right. The, the, the Wildcats go to Columbia after manhandling uh, Mizzou this past season. So, all right, as we mentioned, it's not just for the, um, for the offensive coordinator, but Joe Klanderman, the defensive coordinator also at eight fifty. And you mentioned it, Kellis, a million dollars more in the assistant football coaches uh, pool of salary. And, that is uh, a pretty big statement. And again, and, and you mentioned earlier, I want to get into it with you. Um, Chris Kleiman and Jerome Tang, uh, not, you know, they, the raises have not been announced for both of those coaches. They're going to happen. So 
Um, Kansas State will be paying its coaches more than at any other time in its history, which, listen, I expect that to be the, it's probably the case at most schools, you know, paying their coaches. That's just the way the world works. You you, you coach a few years, you get more money, and you, you get replaced, and the next guy makes more money than you did. And that that's just how it works in the escalating coaching salary world. But it's a big jump at Kansas State, isn't it? I, I mean, in terms of percentage of its budget, I imagine it's – um, coaching salaries have maybe never been bigger than what it is right now. Um, but it, it, I, you're right. It is. It's the cost of doing business uh, if, if you want to compete for championships. It is. And it will be interesting to see what numbers they settle on um, with Chris Kleiman and Jerome Tang. I think the numbers they'll probably target are um, – there's an unwritten rule uh, in the state that KU is not allowed to pay their football coach more than the coach earns in Kansas State. Same rule applies if you switch the sports. Kansas State can't pay their basketball coach more than KU. So KU came out and offered Lance Leipold, I believe it was $5 million or a little bit more than that um, this past season and not go to Nebraska. Um, I am fairly confident that Kansas State will find a way to beat that number. It might only be by a slim margin. So you're talking about maybe 5.1 million, 5.2 million. Um, but I I think they're going to find a way to get there. And that'll be a big bump from what he was expected to make this next season, which was 3.6 million. And I think you might see, you know, towards the end of his contract, the number 6 million pop up there, which is something I never really expected to see from Kansas state. And um, honestly puts them in a position where once Texas and Oklahoma leave, um, they would be uh, at the high end of the coaching scale in the Big 12. I believe um, Mike Gundy currently makes the most in the Big 12 at 7.5 million. So if Chris Kleiman was in there anywhere in the fives, he'd be fairly close to that number. Um, so it just kind of shows you how the the changing landscape is, is going to work once Texas and Oklahoma leave. And then Jerome Tang, I think with him, you're probably looking at uh, beating what Iowa State just gave uh, Otzelberger. Um, they just bumped him up to two and a half million. Um, Jerome Tang, I think is deserving of to make more than Iowa State's basketball coach does. So I think they find a way to beat that number as well. You're right about those numbers. I, I agree with you as well. Um, Otzberger just got raised and um and ex- extended. So and it is 2.5. Jerome, Jerome Tang, it's a 2.1 here at, at uh, K-State. So yes, right as of as of this moment, he is uh he's the lowest paid Big 12 coach. And Isn't that nuts? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and nobody went farther in the NCAA tournament than than Kansas State did this year. So, Bill Self, by the way, the last I saw, um, there you, depending on where you go for the information, you get slightly different numbers. But five point nine million is where I have seen uh, the Bill Self salary. A couple of years ago, he was at ten because of a lot of um, uh, clauses and bonuses that kicked in for him. But he's at five. 5.9. Bob Huggins at 4.2. Scott Drew at 3.7 on the basketball side. And on the football side, you're right. I've seen the same thing. Mike Gundy at 7.5 million, the highest paid coach in the Big 12. Brent Venables uh, and Steve Sarkeesian, I've right around 7 million each for, for both of those coaches. And I believe, I, I think you quoted Gene Taylor as saying he believes that the Kansas State football coach um, uh, should be in the upper half of the conference when it comes to salary, especially one that's had the success, a Big 12 championship trophy, bowl games every year, uh, the success that Chris Kleiman has had. He deserves to be in the upper echelon of of Big 12 coaches, and that's where you think he's going to end up being, right? I do, um, yes, and anything over $5 million would put him in that range, um, and that kind of opens up a, you know, 
a good debate there too is where would we rank Chris Kleiman compared to other Big 12 coaches right now? I think he'd probably have to. I mean, he'd definitely be in the top half. I saw one uh, one uh, one online poll the other day had him number one out of the new 14. Um, I think you could make an argument for him. You could make an argument for Gundy. Um, I think you'd almost have to have climb into the top three right now because he's actually won the, the championship and everything. So, Sonny, yeah, Sonny if, Dykes would have to be up there. Yep, Sonny Dykes as well. Um, and yeah, if you've got a coach who's uh, proven and he's he's would rank that high up in the you know the coaching rankings, you you got to pay him as such. So, um, what one thing, I, one other thing, I talked to Gene Taylor about on the topic because I asked him, um, let's say that uh, this. Chris Kleiman just goes on an unbelievable tear here, wins a bunch of Big 12 championships, and it's to the point where Kansas State, uh, you know, feels compelled to try and pay him more than any other Big 12 team. Could they do it? Um, and it was interesting that he his answer is more or less, I, I hope we could, but we're also Kansas State. We don't have the same athletic budget as some of these other schools, and there might be a point in time where we have to say, look, we just can't pay our coaches any more than what we get to. Um, he wouldn't say what that number would be. Um, but I found that interesting that uh, at some point there might just be a cap to all this. Well, and I wonder if, if that idea changes in the post-Texas Oklahoma world of, it of, might. of the Big 12, because when it comes to athletic budgets, no one compares to uh, those two programs in the Big 12. The, the gap between two and three, and three is usually Kansas. Um, uh, Oklahoma State's up there as well. Um, it's, it's enormous. And Houston, Cincinnati, Central Florida, and BYU don't bring the budgets to the league that Texas and Oklahoma have. They're more in line with middle of the Big 12, bottom of the Big 12, really. They're all going to benefit from the new TV, the, the Big 12's new TV deal. But, uh, um, yeah, maybe maybe the equation changes with Texas and OU out. But one thing that, it, one thing that uh, makes me think about Calvus is just how much, how much perception is important here, you know, I'm sure Chris Kleiman in an honest moment can tell you that he can he and his family can somehow get by on three and a half million dollars a year. And the same same with Jerome Tang at two point one million that they they can they can find a way to make that work somehow if they stretch a little and skimp and save and, you know, uh, might be able to take a vacation in the offseason. But there are lists of the top paid coaches in the, in the Big 12 and, and you know, it. I think a fan base in, you know, it has an influence here where, you know, they, they want their program to be seen by their school as one willing to pay a coach uh, among the best in a conference uh, among the best in the nation. And if we're not doing that, then how seriously are we taking, you know, taking the sport? And um, that's just something that I've kind of come to realize over the years that, there is there's absolutely a perception game being played when it comes to coaches' salaries. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think Kansas State takes a good approach to it. Um, they want to pay their coaches, you know, competitively. They want them in the top half of the Big 12. They want to show that they have the commitment, but they don't really go there until the coach has proven themselves, right? Like Jerome Tang comes in, first year head coach. We're gonna pay you, you know, the the same that would 
the lowest number in the league. Right. Basically. Um, but once you earn, once you show that you're you're worthy of a little bit more, we'll find a way to get you, you know, reward you. I, I very much like that strategy, and they've done a nice job of going out and finding coaches who who aren't just here for the paycheck. They want to be here. They want to stay here. They want to build something here. That, that's one reason why when Jerome Tang's name came came up for other openings this past season, I was never really too worried about it. I think especially the way the the community and the fan base wrapped their arms around him this season. I didn't see him going anywhere unless Kansas State did something like, um, you know, giving him a pay cut after the season yeah. that month. It ticked him <laughs> off. But... You got to take a hit, coach. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, barring that, you know, these coaches want to be here. So they've got a nice little mix there. Um, I, I've not liked it in the past when I've seen other schools. Um, I'm sure it's happened elsewhere. I'm going to pick on KU here doing it. But, like, I remember when they hired um, Turner Gill out of Buffalo, they felt like they needed to pay him like one of the top three coaches in the league at the time, which was like, what, what really? And it was right, just basically right. because we, we, we have a commitment to pay our coaches a lot of money. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it was not justified at all. So I see what that got uh, you. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. So I very much like this approach. Kansas State has done it the right way. Well, they, they, they it's a practical, they've taken a practical approach in just about everything they do and it has served them well uh, over the years uh, with with various athletic directors, but it's almost like a school wide university philosophy that that K State has. So um, good for them. All right, Kellis, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll play a K State lightning round. Uh, I'm going to throw a bunch of topics at you. Just um, you tell me uh, in in quick order what uh, what you think. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the E-Edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We're back on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast, and we're talking college athletics and Kansas State sports with Callis Robinette, the beat writer. And um, Callis, there's a lot going on, uh, as there always is. I, I can remember... Uh, when I was covering colleges as a beat, people, neighbors would ask me in April and May, well, this, you know, nothing going on. You must be home all the time now. People don't realize there's more going on now than during a season. It's just, it's not the high profile stuff. You're not at a game, right? Mm -hmm. Always mm -hmm. at a game. But 
it just seems like there is always something going on. It's a big recruiting time. It's uh, there are some spring sports that that absolutely deserve to get some attention. Uh, um, and now the transfer portal is a it keeps you busy and and occupied all the time. You found that to be true, haven't you? As a college beat guy, that uh, the spring things you, you know it's hard to get your breath. It one of the by far the biggest misnomer in our profession is that uh, once the NCAA tournament ends, we don't do anything <laughs> until uh, the fall. So the opening kickoff. Game. Yes, opening kickoff of next year arrives. We're just on vacation for five months or whatever. Um, I've got that question so much these last few, few weeks. I'm out to dinner. People say, hey, you, you know, you must be enjoying your downtime, right? I'm like, what downtime? I, there's still plenty to do. I mean, I, I do get weekends. You know, weekends are, are free now, which is nice. I'm not right. getting eight hours on those, but during the work week, there is still plenty to do. I laugh. Even my own mother the other day was like, boy, how are you feeling, feeling the time? I'm like, well, if read the paper, I'm putting out more stuff now than I was, than I was during the season. Um, but yes, especially with the transfer portal. Now there's so many, there's just so much movement, people coming, going everywhere. Um, any more, it's, there's just not a really true downtime for us. Right. Right. All right, and speaking of the transfer portal, Max Aismas, um, maybe one of the one of the top prizes out there, the Oral Roberts guard who really uh, was a star in the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. It was during the COVID tournament when he was a freshman. He was just fantastic and still considered one of the very best players available on the transfer in the transfer portal. Kansas State mentioned prominently with him, so was another Big Twelve school, and that is Texas. In fact, I. I saw one report. It's going to be one or the other, which would be that's amazing if it is. But uh, what are you hearing on Max Aismas? Um, Yeah, so it. I think you can throw one other school in the mix there too. I think Baylor, Baylor might get a visit from them as well. Um, I think they would be the clear number three right now with Kansas State and Texas battling out for number one. Um, but he's a good fit at both places. He's interested in both. You would think that maybe he has a little bit of a lean toward Kansas State because he visited Manhattan first. He was here on Saturday, flew into town, hung out with the team, hung out with the coaches. Um, I think one of the assistants had a crawfish broil here, according to his Instagram account. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would have liked an invite to that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I got to see everything. Um, you know, I've not heard that anything went poorly. He did not commit, though, so I think he's going to follow through and go see Texas um, and then maybe make a visit to Waco and, and make up his mind. But I will say, if, if he chooses Kansas State, that would be a tremendous get for, uh, for Jerome Tang because he is not only a very good scorer – He's a very good assist man. Um, he's basically, you know, he's not a carbon copy of Marquise Noel by any means, but he's a little bit taller version of him. He plays a lot like him. You could almost just plug him, plug him into the lineup and just know you're going to get good production. So uh, he's one of the top rated transfers out there. It's obvious why. And um, yeah, Jerome Tang would love to get him if they can. He'd be an all conference, preseason all conference selection right off the bat, pre, probably preseason newcomer of the year. Um, and would be a and Kansas State would not get a better player newcomer for for next season than Max A. Smith. Um, right now, the, the the team in the Big Twelve and maybe even the country leading the transfer portal is West Virginia, um, Syracuse's center, Arizona's point guard. Uh, they've they've done fantastic, and the Huggins is just cleaned up in the transfer portal, and um, that's that is a program to keep an eye on in the off season going into next year. Um, okay, some other um, some other items that we need to catch up on, Kellis. We haven't talked about Sean Snyder. 
New, <laughs> newest assistant coach on the staff of the University of Kansas Jayhawks. I have I have really enjoyed reading the conspiracy theories about Sean Snyder uh, over the last few weeks. I, I guess it just can't be as simple uh, as you know, he was looking for a job and Kansas had an opening and they hired him. Um, no, it's got to be a lot more complicated than that, I suspect. Uh, yeah, uh, I've never I, I never knew that someone taking a job as a special assistant to a head coach would cause such an uproar. But <laughs> I suppose when your last name is Snyder and you yeah. go to work in Lawrence, that's what happens. Uh, the joke, uh, the joke I've said was that uh, Jerome Tang needs to fire back and hire, hire Tyler Self as an assistant on his staff. <laughs> That's perfect. Then, then things would really be even in the Sunflower Showdown. The height of uh, awkwardness would be there. Um, yeah, I mean it's weird. You, you see, I, I saw the pictures when Shreyas, uh, you know, took the photo interviewing him and and Lawrence wearing the Jayhawk in the in the. The yeah, blue and red. It was just I, like, I can see where that would hurt. I, I can yeah, see well, how that would definitely hurt. It's like, what am I looking at here? This is <laughs> not something I thought I would see. Um, so it'll take some getting used to, but you know, I I really think that it's it, his family still lives in Manhattan. If he wants to coach and it's not gonna be at Kansas State, you can't do it anywhere closer than Lawrence. I can see why it's an appealing job for him. I can also see why fans on both sides just think it's weird. And would think there's a you know some kind of conspiracy theory involved. I don't think there is. I don't think um, I don't think Sean's going in there to sabotage KU. I don't think he's going to convince Bill Snyder to turn into a spy to help him either. Um, I, I think they can all do this as professionals and play, and it won't be an issue next season. But it it is weird, and I do definitely wonder um, next season when KU plays K State. Like, does any part of Bill Snyder secretly? cheer for KU in that game because he he really loves his son and that's got to complicate uh complicate that game for him more than uh it ever has in the past where the goal has always been let's just beat this team by 50 you know yeah so you don't see him wearing a uh, Donna Kelsey half uh KU half K-State uh, windbreak <laughs> <laughs> I I don't um I can guarantee you that would not go over well with K-State fans if he tried it would be a lot like I think you were there for this game when the governor of Kansas showed up to a KU Wichita State game trying to support both teams and yes. just got booed <laughs> mercilessly out of the stadium. Yes, um, he did. Yes, he did. I think uh, Bill just be best served to, you know, wear just wear a suit or wear a K State. Right, game. right, right. I was going to say it, it also wouldn't work because there are no bull um, windbreakers from KU. Um, <laughs> I guess they. they, they we did pick one up last year. So, um, okay. A couple other real quick items. Um, Kellis, as I'm looking out the window from where I'm talking, I can see Union Station and they're putting a uh, an awning, a, a huge awning. It looks like a, almost a sun visor on Union Station. That is the build out for the stage of the NFL draft. And there's a big draft poster behind it. Kansas City is going to be the the heartbeat of the NFL like it was for the Super Bowl parade, but now for the NFL draft next week and one local product hoping to hear his name called sooner rather than later is Felix Enudike Uzama. What's the latest you've seen on a mock project, a mock draft projection of him? Could he possibly be a first rounder? He could be. Um, I know he was probably a little bit bummed when he didn't get the invite to uh, come sit yeah. backstage and watch the draft. He, he told me that was something he really wanted. Um, only 17, only 17 were invited. I heard today. 
Yeah. So very, very hard to get in that grouping. Um, if you're going to be a borderline, uh, you know, first, second round pick like he is. So I totally get it, but he, he made that very clear to us. when we talked to him at K-State's pro day was I, I would love to be invited and go as a Kansas city native. Um, but you know what? He still gets to be in town for it and everything. So that'll be a great honor for him. I think if he does get drafted, it'll be late first round. Um, it could even be to the chiefs because they, they need some defensive ends. They could use a pass rusher and he showed a pro day. He can move in space. He can get after you. So I think you'll see him go late first round or early second. Um, I've seen some, some mock drafts peg him in the late twenties, which could obviously happen. Um, if not, I think you'll see him be early on day two. And, um, I think Julius Brantz also, he doesn't get nearly as much talk as Felix does, but he's a very tall cornerback. It's hard to find guys like that who are uh, tall, have a lot of athleticism, can run, cover guys of all sizes. He can do that. And I think he'll be a second round guy as well. He is a, he's, his stock is really rising. Um, it is a, um, he must've just tested great, you know, combined great and all that. Um, so good for him. Um, all right, last item, Kellis. I love this question from your because these are the kinds of things I just love talking about. I saw it from your Q and A that we'll post uh, on the story that we post on the podcast. But um, best best athletic year for Kansas State sports twenty twenty two slash twenty three. If it's not this year, it would be one the, the one ten years earlier twelve thirteen. Um, you were there for all of it. I got to cover a lot of the events in those years. There have been some really good moments in between, but, uh, but in terms of just overall athletic success and high pro, I should say high profile athletic success as well. Uh, these two years have been fantastic is, is one better than the other. I think it's a very difficult question to answer because there was so much winning in both. Um, I've split it up basically into two categories. If you're looking at just purely the best season in terms of win, wins and losses. I think you probably have to go with 10 years ago. They won the baseball crown. I guess K- Kansas State actually just swept KU in baseball, so maybe yeah. there's a way they could do it again this year. And all of a sudden then we're really having a debate <laughs> if uh, if baseball wins the Big 12 again this year too. Um, but I think that, that helps a decade ago. I think it also helps that that football team won one more game. They were ranked number one for a period of time. Uh, the basketball team uh, went 14 and four in the Big 12. You're right. Yep. This team only won 11 Big 12 games. So, for, from a regular season perspective, back then was a little bit more impressive. More overall wins, fewer losses, I think. Higher. The difference is that this year, I think, was a lot more fun. I think this year had way more big, just crazy wins than we saw back then. Um, 10 years ago, yeah, there's a lot of success, but how did the season's end? Football lost at Baylor, crushing loss. They don't get to play for an NCAA title. Basketball, they lose to LaSalle in the, the first round of the Big 12 tournament in, in Kansas City, crushing loss. So you have these great seasons that just end in just a thud. This year was the complete opposite. Kansas State wins the Big 12 in football with a walk-off win. win. You and me were there. It was amazing. I've never seen people so happy. Um, when Deuce Vaughn broke off that long run uh, to not seal things, but to make, you know, really give Kansas State a shot at winning there in the fourth quarter, that that's probably the loudest cheer I've heard, <laughs> even even at away state, and that's the loudest I've heard a, a K-State crowd react to a play. Um, and then a basketball, you get all these great wins. You beat KU at home. You get a court storming. You beat Kentucky in the NSA tournament. You beat Michigan State in the NSA tournament. 
is just like one one huge party after the next. Um, so I think if you're looking at it from, you know, which was more fun, which is more exciting, I'd give it to this year. But if you're purely looking at like, oh, you know, analytically, which year had the better teams, I'd probably say 10 years ago. Yeah, but like you said, there's still some spring sports uh, out there that uh, that can add to this, this year's bounty. So great stuff. And, you know, and speaking of contract extensions and, and raises, Gene Taylor's got to be something coming his way, I would suspect. At some point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, people have called him the best uh, athletic director in the country this mm-hmm. season and people aren't, you know, really arguing that fact. So, um, yeah, if if President Linton wanted to give him a bump, a pay bump, I don't think anyone would object to that. All right. Great stuff. As always, Kellis, I will support your pay bump if you just put in the word and uh, <laughs> Uh, and you were there every step of the way for all these great moments. It's it's been it's been great. Well, uh, it won't be our last conversation uh, before the end of the school year. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk again. But uh, thanks for doing this, and we will catch up again soon. All right, Blair, I support your pay raise as well. <laughs> That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Randy Mason, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette for sharing his insights. Today's Morning Sports Edition was 30 pages full of NBA playoffs, college sports news, baseball, the NHL, and much more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports BKC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.